from API. This is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. Today the subject is the Rocky Mountain West, which is a region right now where there's a lot of energy being developed and there are apparently some concerns about wildlife and habitat in that area. Our guest today is Dave Brown, Manager of Regulatory Affairs at BP. He's also Chairman of the Petroleum Association of Wyoming's Public Lands Committee. Welcome, Dave. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, please describe, if you will, the energy development that's occurring in the Rocky Mountain region. Well, there's uh, there's a lot of oil and gas development, particularly natural gas development, occurring in the Rockies right now. Um, it's directed toward uh, meeting America's energy needs. Uh, a lot of demand out there for natural gas in particular, and that's what the industry is trying to accomplish. And what concerns have been raised about how the development might impact wildlife in the area? Well, um, that has been raised by the public and some of the the uh, public interest groups as well. And um, we're doing quite a bit about addressing wildlife issues and concerns that are coming up in various projects in the West. There's a lot of work the industry's doing in coordination with private individuals, with the agencies, uh, with uh, wildlife organizations, environmental groups. So it's a quite a broad focus of people that are involved in this particular issue. Can you give me an example of some of the initiatives that are underway? Yes, Jane, we're doing quite a bit in the field with our projects to try and minimize our footprint. And what I mean by footprint, that is the size of surface disturbance that occurs when we drill a new well, for example, and we maintain production operations on that particular site. And one of the main things we're doing is trying to d drill as many wells off one surface pad as we can. That's in contrast to drill a lot of wells off individual pads. And when you can combine a multiple number of wells onto one pad, you save a lot of surface disturbance. And in association with that, we're also doing a lot of reclamation practices that we're improving on to not only reduce the size of our pad once we drill the well, um, we're also applying those same practices when we plug and abandon a well. And those reclamation practices are done to enhance the habitat, the wildlife of concern in the particular area where we operate. I know that there has been some concern about sage-grouse populations. Does the oil and natural gas development that you're seeing out there have an impact on sage-grouse? That depends on where you are in the level of development that's occurring. We have uh, been doing quite a bit of research on the sage-grouse issue We've also been applying a lot of mitigation techniques to try and minimize the impact that our operations would have on sage-grouse. But we really need to look at the research. You need to look at the individual circumstances in a given area to determine what type of impact is going to occur from the different types of, of development. Is the industry doing anything specifically right now to protect the habitat or to protect the sage-grouse populations? Yes, we are. We're doing quite a bit with, uh, with sage-grouse right now. We're doing a lot of work to identify best practices or what we call recommended practices when we're operating within sage-grouse habitat. The Petroleum Association of Wyoming has been very active in this. Uh, we had a symposium last April in, in 2007 to get a lot of stakeholders as well as um, industry participants in the room to identify those recommended best practices, and those are being shared out to as many companies as we can so they can apply those. The federal government right now is trying to determine whether or not the sage-grouse should be listed as endangered. What do you think? 
We don't believe it's necessary to list the sage grouse at this stage. And the reason why is there is so much work going on among a lot of stakeholders regarding sage grouse. Um, the industry has been working very closely with a multiple number of agencies, both at the state and federal level. We've also been working with local working groups, which were organized by the State Department of Wildlife, for example, in Wyoming, and to identify what could be practices and things that could be done to improve sage-grouse habitat and maintain sage-grouse habitat in the state of Wyoming. Dave, you say that you don't believe the sage-grouse should be listed as endangered, but aren't the numbers declining? Well, it's very important to understand the basis of those numbers. What we see in our research is that when there's a decline in sage-grouse, there's other factors in play other than just land use. For example, we've been in a drought out here in the West for quite some time, and what we see is when the drought is very deep in a particular season, a particular year, uh, we see a decline in sage-grouse numbers across the West, and so not just necessarily in an oil and gas field, for example. So I think it's very important that that perspective be looked at when you're interpreting what numbers are showing you in a given area. In Wyoming, for example, the last two years, because of precipitation, being very good in the spring, we've had an a increase in the number of sage-grouse numbers across Wyoming. You have plenty of other wildlife in your region. Um, is there any evidence to suggest that energy development is hindering their migration patterns or adversely affecting the wildlife habitat at this point? Well, in reference to migration corridors, there is uh, a lot of work that, that's yet to be done on identifying those particular areas, and that's underway through the Western Governors Association. When those areas are identified, industry is very sensitive to those, and we do everything we can to avoid those, and what we can't avoid, we try and mitigate as much as we can. And a good example of that was up in Wyoming, where we actually, a number of companies worked together to, uh, with the Division of Wildlife in Wyoming to mitigate oil and gas development in a wildlife corridor. And actually the companies were willing to uh, suspend their activities and future operations along this corridor to preserve it. But there still are plenty of critics out there that believe that the energy companies aren't doing enough and that they're continuing to put wildlife at risk. So how are the companies there dealing with what appears to be a common misperception? Well, I think part of that is education to the public about what we are doing in regards to wildlife. A lot of work is being done on projects when there's uh, environmental impact statements or environmental assessments being done on federal land through those particular processes to identify what are the best mitigation steps available to, to reduce any impacts on wildlife. And that is something that both the agencies at the federal level, the state wildlife agencies, and the companies are committed to doing. It sounds as though you have quite a coordinated effort going forward there in Wyoming to protect wildlife. Well, I think we have been uh, very diligent in working this issue. We have done as much as we can to work with the agencies and the public and other stakeholder groups to try and identify the best solutions to mitigate those impacts. Dave Brown, thank you so much for joining us. Interesting conversation. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.